I'm excited to be in a new year. 2019, the year when the optimist in us says, yes, a fresh start. And the pessimist in us says, I have to do this all over again, right? That's the reality of a new year. But I hope you're excited because I think God has some really good things in store in the year to come. So let me back up. Today I get to introduce uh, our focus, our theme for the year. Um, But I'll start with kind of our backstory. Uh, Three years ago, as we began church planting, uh, we dreamed of a church where belonging could come first. Now, uh, I don't know about your past church experience, but I'll tell you about a little bit of, of, of ours. We've been in places and experienced times where church looked like, uh, well, if you act like us and if you believe like us, then you can be a part of us, right? It, it kind of operates in that order. And while I can understand why organizations and businesses might work in that way, uh, in that there's a lot of commonality, uh, there's a lot of safety and things like that. Uh, however, when I think of Jesus and the gospel and the way that he operated, uh, we saw something very different in the way he operated. He calls 12 ordinary men, not the elites, not the most famous or wealthy people in his community, t- 12 ordinary men. And he said this to them, he said, just follow me. And we'll see what happens, okay? Follow me, watch what happens. And in time, as they belong to this uh, group, uh, the disciples of Jesus, they follow him, they come to believe. He begins to ask questions. uh, Like he says, so who do people say I am? Well, who do you believe I am? And Peter says, you are the Messiah, the Son of God. It was in the context of walking with Jesus, of belonging, of living life together, uh, that they came to believe and to realize. uh, And ultimately, uh, the Holy Spirit Uh, Jesus' presence in their life uh, transformed them to become the people they were made to be, to be world changers and see remarkable things happen. So three years ago, we dreamed, let's let's begin with belonging. This looks like the gospel to me. It was funny, Sarah and I were at a church in Seattle in in kind of a season in in between. uh, For 12 years, I'd been working as a youth pastor, um, and uh, and we were in the season getting ready to launch and church plant. We were at this church in Seattle, and um, there's a famous author that writes about belong, um, be- behave, believe. So uh, belong, behave, believe. And uh, we didn't really like the word behave. Uh, that doesn't look great on paper, I don't think. <laughs> Right? Are we putting our best foot forward if we go with that? I understand the concept. The concept's really good. Um, the behave actually means practice, like live it out, experience it. And in that experience, people come to belief. So I understand what they're getting at. We did not like that. We needed another B name. And uh, we were so struck by the power uh, that the Holy Spirit has in our lives, the transformation that takes place. And so we landed here. 2018 was our focus on belonging. And so we launched a lot of community initiatives, uh, engaged in many different ways, focused on how in our Sunday gatherings, we can be a place where belonging comes first, a place where we invite people wherever they're at in their walk of life, in their spiritual journey. Come explore Jesus with us. Let's use Jesus' model. Let's walk together and see if it leads us towards belief. Now, 2019 will be the year of believe. So today, let's talk a little bit about belief. Now, what do you believe in? If, uh, if I were to ask you that question, uh, let's pretend we weren't sitting here in this gathering because I think our answers would be kind of similar and you'd assume that I'm asking for a specific. But if I were to ask you or someone were to ask you just randomly, what do you believe? 
or what do you believe in? Uh, what, would, uh, what would come to the surface in your mind? What would be that first response? I watched this really interesting video this last week of a guy. He got about 3,000 responses from all over the world to this question of what do you believe and the the answers were just diverse and beautiful and fascinating. Um, some said, I believe in God or I believe in Jesus. Some said, um, I believe in everything. And some said, I believe in nothing, right? Uh, it, it was everything across the board. These answers came in. And uh, there was a couple that were very common, so a couple common threads. Uh, people said, I believe in love and I believe in hope. Those were themes that really stood out in the responses that he received. And I think that's beautiful, even in our Christian, you know, people weren't giving their Christian answers in that case. But in our context as followers of Jesus, we know that love and hope are central to humanity's experience. Jesus, God is love and Jesus is our hope. Additionally, I thought it was beautiful, the answers that said, I believe in me. Right? People said, I, 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 I believe in me and I'm going to try. Right? I thought that was cool. I thought what was even cooler was I believe in you and I hope that you believe in you. Right? I mean, those, those are, those are cool things. These are beautiful statements about humanity and hope and all of these things. So what do you believe is the question we're asking today. What do you believe? Now, I, I think that belief defines who we are. I think it affects the things that we say, and I think it drives the ways that we live. I think belief is central to who we are as a people. And I also propose that we all believe something. Now, whether we've really processed it and come uh, to, to some sort of resolution about this is what I believe, I think all of us are operating out of some sort of belief system that drives uh, both the things we say, the things we do, and really who we are, how we identify ourselves in this world around us. So prior to our holiday season and Advent and all the ways that we celebrated here on Sundays over the last month, month and a half, um, we were in a series in the Gospel of John. And today we're going to pick that back up in John chapter 3, where the subject of belief comes to the surface. In John chapter 3, uh, it's a continued story of a man named John, one of Jesus' closest apostles, and he's telling the story, the experience of walking with Jesus. In John chapter 3, we'll begin in verse 1, it says, Now there was a Pharisee, a man named Nicodemus, who was a member of the Jewish ruling council. He came to Jesus at night and said, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher who has come from God, for no one could perform the signs that you are doing if God were not with him. So this man, Nicodemus, he is at the top of the ranks. Uh, I talked about Jesus' apostles, not the top elevated people in Israel. Now this man is a Pharisee and a part of the Jewish ruling council. These are the people that, that the Israelites would go to to ask their questions, to bring judgments and rulings, to define the law for people, and to establish the way that people were to live and operate. These people were at the top of society. And this man, Nicodemus, one of the Pharisees and Jewish ruling council members, he comes to Jesus at night, which is significant, I think. Uh, there's probably a reason he came at night. And what would that be? Well, simply that he didn't want to be seen meeting with Jesus, right? He comes in secret, not in daylight, uh, but he has a question of Jesus because he sees something remarkable in him. 
He acknowledges you are someone special. Uh, you are clearly um, a, a teacher from God. And uh, Jesus replies to him, very truly I tell you, no one can see the kingdom of God unless they are born again. Jesus begins his cryptic conversation that will confuse this teacher of the law. How can someone be born when they are old, Nicodemus asked. Surely they cannot enter a second time into their mother's womb and be born. Jesus answered, very truly, I tell you, no one can enter the kingdom of God unless they are born of water and of the Spirit. So Jesus jumps into his confusing conversation, born again. He says, no one will know this kingdom of God unless they're born again. Now, the kingdom of God, we won't get into detail. If you want to look back in our uh, podcasts online, you can hear lessons specifically on that subject. But Jesus is speaking uh, of the kingdom of God, which is, in essence, as simply described as I can, uh, the place in which God reigns. It applies to heaven and it applies to earth. Jesus prays, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So the kingdom of heaven is the place in which God reigns. That applies both to heaven and to earth. And uh, Jesus said, if you want to enter this kingdom here and now on, on the earth, if you want to enter into the kingdom of God, you're going to have to be born again. There's a fascinating thing about the illustration that Jesus is using here, um, this birth illustration. Uh, to me, it, it is that birth is not accomplished by the one being born, right? Uh, none of us remember our birth. None of us were responsible for it. I, I pray that's the case in this room, um, Right? Uh, this is the labor and the, the strains and the pain of a mother that gives birth to a child. And, and Jesus says here, uh, like in childbirth, uh, you will not enter this kingdom on your own merit, on your own ability, on your own strength. None of that will be the case. But instead in this kingdom, it will be God's work and invitation, Jesus' suffering that will bring you into this kingdom. He goes on and he says, uh, very truly I tell you in verse 5 again, um, I tell you no one can enter the kingdom of God unless they are born of water and the Spirit. Many of you are familiar with the idea of baptism uh, that, that Jesus references here. Uh, we uh, think baptism is a beautiful celebration of the saving work that God has done in our lives. Much like a wedding ceremony in which we get to express in new and beautiful ways our love and passion and new beginning between two people in life. As we accept Jesus as our Savior, we celebrate that in water. As as the Israelites had a practice here, and Jesus is referring to it as he speaks to Nicodemus, of this ceremonial cleansing, being dipped under the water and raising up. And it was a ceremonial way of celebrating having been cleansed. And Jesus adopts this idea, and the first century church adopts this idea, saying baptism will be this sign, this symbol, this beautiful representation of, of the salvation that God has brought us to. In Romans 6, it, it uh, parallels the story of, or the idea of baptism to Jesus' experience on the cross. As he was buried under the ground and then rose again to new life, it speaks of this idea of baptism as a celebration, which remember, we have died to our own selves as Jesus died but risen to new life in him. This is new birth that Jesus is speaking about here. 
And, and he says, uh, born of the Spirit, uh, which we see play out in Acts chapter 2 as the Spirit comes on people and, and God begins to manifest himself in remarkable new ways amongst the believers of Jesus. We are those that are invited to know the power of the Spirit in our lives. So Jesus and Nicodemus are having this conversation. Nicodemus saying, clearly someone special. Jesus just jumps straight into kingdom talk and birth analogies, and it gets kind of gory. And, uh, and, and then uh, their conversation continues. They banter back and forth. Go home and read uh, verses 6 through 15 today. Uh, it's, it's fascinating stuff. But in verse 16, John 3.16, that might sound familiar to some of us. John 3.16, did you know this was in the context of uh, Nicodemus and this confusing conversation about new life and new birth and all this stuff, Jesus says this, for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. Whoever believes in him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe stands condemned already because they have not believed in the name of God's one and only Son. Jesus makes a bold claim about his identity, one that I can only imagine Nicodemus struggles to accept. Like Nicodemus finds himself in this moment of questioning uh, what do I believe? I know the law. It spoke of a prophet, a Messiah who would come, right? Uh, Nicodemus knows well the potential. But like most of Israel had likely given up on that hope actually transpiring. And Jesus says, God loved the world this much. He sent me that I would die, that you could believe and find new hope and new life. John 3.16 is a remarkable passage. We talked today about belief. Jesus says belief will be at the core. Sometimes we'll use the word faith interchangeably. And I'm not going to go into details and try to dissect how we would use those terms differently. But belief, faith in Jesus, is biblically what we're told will bring about that new hope and that new life. Uh, Nicodemus is left in that moment uh, of saying, so what do I believe? Because belief is going to change his life entirely. John doesn't tell us how the conversation concludes. He doesn't tell us what Nicodemus does for the next little while. But fortunately, in John chapter 19, towards the end of the book, Jesus has died on a cross. His closest followers have deserted him. And John tells us this in chapter 19:38. Later, Joseph of Arimathea asked Pilate for the body of Jesus. Now, Joseph was a disciple of Jesus, but secretly because he feared the Jewish leaders. With Pilate's permission, he came and he took the body away. He was accompanied by Nicodemus, the man who earlier had visited Jesus in the night. Nicodemus brought a mixture of myrrh and aloes, about 75 pounds. We don't know all of Nicodemus' story, but we know that at the end, when very few were still following Jesus, Nicodemus was one who had come to believe so thoroughly that he would put his reputation on the line, that he would risk his life when Jesus' closest followers are still hiding from the Jewish leaders. Nicodemus saw something special in this man, Jesus. Shakespeare writes Hamlet, and he says, to be or not to be, that is the question. 
the opening lines, beautiful prose and beautiful uh, play and story. And and the question being asked in the opening line of this play um, is one of life and death. Uh, In fact, he goes on, is it nobler, is it more noble to suffer the slings and the, the arrows of outrageous fortune in life? Or should we take up arms and oppose those things that we suffer, maybe losing our life in the process, to die to sleep? But in sleep comes dreams, and there's the rub. For in that sleep of death, what dreams may come. He begins this, this story, this play, uh, with uh, this question, to be or not to be? Is this life worth living? Is the suffering worth the things that I'm going through? He asks remarkable and pertinent questions of us today. But I think a beautiful and important question that we ask today on the subject of belief uh, answers many of the questions of what dreams will come, what will come after this life, is the suffering I'm, I'm experiencing worth it? It's the question to believe or not to believe. You see, we're all left like Nicodemus in that place. What will I believe in? Will I put my faith in Jesus? Will I find some resolution uh, and, and some hope in the suffering in this life? Will I find some knowledge and hope for the life beyond this? I think our question today of belief speaks pertinently to the question of to be or not to be. Here's the reality of our story and our journey, though. Uh, we all experience doubt. Wouldn't it be easy just to say, okay, so today we all believe, and, and, and we say the word believe together, and then we're done, right? We all believe? Wouldn't that be beautiful? And yet, is that at all your experience with faith? You know, I, I, love, um, I love the freedom we have uh, to ask hard questions. Like, the greatest leaders of, I think of Moses and, and greatest leaders throughout the Bible are the people that challenged God directly, right? They're like, hold on what is happening here. I think doubt is a part of our journey towards belief. I think questions and specifically asking good questions that lead towards resolution is a beautiful and integral part to us coming to a faith decision for Jesus. Uh, There's a story in Mark chapter 9 and a man brings his son to Jesus saying uh, he needs to be healed, uh, freed from this evil spirit. And Mark 9, 21, Jesus asked the boy's father, how long has he been like this? From childhood, he answered. It often throws him into the fire or water to kill him. But if you can do anything, take pity on us and help him. Jesus, in his sarcastic, I hope you hear Jesus' humor sometime. If I can, Jesus said, everything is possible for one who believes. Immediately, the boy's father exclaimed, I do believe. Help me overcome my unbelief. This might be one of my favorite statements in Scripture. I love the reality of the moment, the very real struggle, uh, like, like we face, not, maybe not this particular struggle, but the very realness of this man coming to Jesus. If you can help, will you please have mercy on us and help? And Jesus says, oh, I can help, but it'll require, what's that word? Belief what we're talking about today, for those who believe. And, and, and the man says, I do believe, but help me overcome my unbelief. 
In 2019, here's what I promise. As we focus on this idea of belief, uh, we, we will do everything we can. We commit to not trying to manipulate people into belief. We commit to not trying to twist people's arm or force the things that we understand and believe onto other people, but instead we invite ourselves, our community, the people that we live life with to consider that very statement, I believe, but I'm still working on my unbelief. Like that's what I dream of for 2019 for us. I am moving in that direction, but God, I need your help. Will you fill in that gap? Will you fill in my belief that I can know more of you, that I can see what you are doing in the world around me? So what is belief born of? Uh, I think in that text, we see a little bit of it. And the others that we read today, I, I believe belief is born of two primary things, knowledge and experience. I don't think knowledge does it entirely, nor does experience alone bring a people, a person to belief. Knowledge is important. For those of us that grew up in a Christian household, we were equipped with plenty of knowledge that allowed us to make that faith decision in time as we chose to do that. Uh, Some of us are just beginning that journey of asking questions and gaining knowledge. Who is this Jesus? What does it look like to follow him? Why in the world would I commit to something like that, right? Uh, But knowledge is a part of our journey towards faith, towards belief. Secondly, experience. And experience, I think, comes in a couple different forms, uh, but experience forms belief. Um, There's the practice aspect of things, or the behave. Remember that B word that we don't like quite as much? Um, uh, The walking with Jesus, the coming to know him, those are experiences that lead towards belief, towards faith. Secondly, uh, I think experience comes in the form of divine intervention. Many of us in our journey can look back and pinpoint something that we say, that was God's hand in my life. God is working powerfully. And many of us in our stories of coming to faith have known God working in remarkable ways. So today we talk about belief and consider what does it look like to move towards belief. We seek knowledge, but we also walk together and practice what it is to walk in the ways of Jesus and in so doing, see him more, learn more about him, move closer towards that position of belief. Before we close out today, I wanted to draw us to the idea of belief um, as we talk about our church and who we are as a people. So uh, we dreamed as the church began, God placed a burden on our hearts, and I think on many of our hearts, because we find ourselves here together, uh, to be a place that invites diversity towards inclusion and equality, a place that embraces diversity. And when we think of diversity, typically our minds go to ethnicity. And that's good and beautiful and something we dream of, to be diverse in ethnic terms as our community is diverse. That is something we dream of. However, diversity goes far beyond ethnicity. And as we talk about beliefs, uh, let me say that belief is one of the most divisive um, uh, forms of... What's the word I'm looking for? Uh, diversity. Uh, you know, belief divides in remarkable and painful ways. Look at church history for a moment and see the major divisions and rifts and hatred that was born of 
small distinctions and words and ideas in the beliefs of the church. It happens outside the church as well. But today as a church, we dream of a place where diversity can thrive. And equality uh, is not based on uniformity. Um, that, that we can find unity uh, in, in the spirit through the bond of peace. Ephesians 4, 3 says this. Um, but we can find unity and maintain unity, unity without insisting upon uniformity. So uh, it was probably a year into our journey that we were harassed enough about our website that we finally decided to put our beliefs on our website right? Uh, And there's a reason we resisted that in our journey. It is not because we are soft on believing in God and Jesus and the Holy Spirit. It it is not because we have any question about Jesus as our hope and, and, and the purchaser of our salvation. It is not about any of that. It's about the fact that beliefs can be quite manipulative and divisive. Um, that quite often we find ways to divide with others because of differences rather than finding unity in the gospel and what Jesus has done for us. However, we put our beliefs up there, uh, and, and this, is, uh, this is what we came up with. We tried to keep it pretty simple, and I'm going to run through them quickly. And let me say, this is an opportunity for conversation. So if some of these uh, are, are you're, you're like, I'm not totally sure about that. Uh, You're invited to respond by asking a question of one of us. Uh, You're you're invited to ask why in the world would we talk about that. We believe in Trinity, the Father, Son, and the Spirit. We believe that salvation is a free gift of God accomplished through Jesus and sealed by the Spirit. We celebrate God's work. Uh, good, good work with baptism. In baptism, we remember Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection and celebrate new life in Him. We believe that the Bible is God's inspired word and it's vital to the church and it guides our lives. We believe the church to be the primary agent in God's mission. Um, we seek to come alongside the Spirit in bringing about God's mission of reconciliation in this world. As a church, we strive to create an open, an open and engaging community in which belonging comes first. And finally, this is the one like really distinctive one about us that we wanted to put out there and make sure people know. Uh, there's lots of churches that operate in different ways, but we operate as an egalitarian church, living into the Galatians 3 promise in Christ. There's no Jew or Gentile slave or free, male or female, in, in living in Galatians 3, we invite men and women to participate equally in the church. That's what we came up with, friends. Um, our, our dream was, <laughs> yeah. our, our dream uh, was to be transparent and yet not divisive in the things that we do. We realize that not every one of those things is going to be the exact fit for every person. And this is the beauty of the church as we understand it. The church is not about the vine church. The church is a remarkable network of people in whom God is working and moving. The church is global and reaches far beyond the boundaries of any of us in this room. And we are honored to be a small piece in the mosaic that God is making in this world. That's what we believe about the church. And so we believe that it's very okay if someone doesn't love or agree with any particular point on that list. We will not ostracize someone because they take a different position in their church, but instead we allow God to work remarkably in the lives of his people. So today we ask the question of belief. I'm going to play just a, a 
three-minute clip of a song is I invite you to reflect upon this idea of belief. What do I personally believe? I shared with you some of the general ones. But the question today is, what do I believe? And remember how we talked earlier about how belief defines us. It affects the things that we say. It affects the things that we do. And so today we ask the question, what do I really believe, right? And how is it driving my life? How is it affecting my life? So as we listen to the song, look at the lyrics. This song is uh, by Hillsong. And uh, Hillsong wrote it uh, using the words of the Apostles' Creed, which is one of the earliest creeds in the church. I invite you to listen and, and contemplate. What do I believe? Do, do I hear questions when I hear these lyrics? Do I believe the things that I'm hearing in this song?
There is one more verse to that song, and I encourage you to go and listen to it today. It's called This I Believe, and it's by Hillsong. So what do you believe? I won't expect you to answer that question in this very moment, but I'll invite you on a journey in the year to come. Let's ask that question together. Let's pray the prayer of the Father who approached Jesus in our text today. Let's pray that we find belief, faith. Let's be honest about our doubts and our unbelief. And let's live in community and conversation that invites us to know more of God. Let's pray about that. Father God, thank you that you love us. Thank you for having invited us here together this morning. Uh, Thank you that your spirit is at work amongst us. Father, I believe um, each of us to some degree comes uh, searching, uh, seeking belief. Each of us with uh, plenty of room for growth. Father, help us in our unbelief. Uh, Father, guide us. May we know more of you. Father, give us knowledge as we read scripture, as we have conversation together, as we spend time in prayer and meditation with you. Father, give us knowledge. But Father, also reveal yourself to us in the experiences to come in this week, in the months, in the year ahead. Father, thank you for Jesus and the hope that we find in him. Father, help us to believe and in belief to know new ways of living new ways of speaking. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.